One, a man in the doorway. I was about four or five years old and my parents had just separated. My mom was living in a two-bedroom apartment. I had my own room, but I liked sleeping in her bed whenever I was staying with her. Our two bedrooms were at the end of a hallway, directly across from each other. Our apartment was on the first floor, and I remember that it was in the middle of the summer and my mom had a window open her room that was directly behind the bed, above the headboard. Anyways, I woke up in the middle of the night and remember sitting up and seeing that our cat was sitting in the door frame of my mom's room, her door was open and you could partially see into my bedroom. It was strange because our cat was a huge snuggler and was typically always in bed with us. As I was watching him he walked into my bedroom and meowed. I turned to face my mom and wake her up. In the 3-4 seconds it took her to wake up and ask me what was wrong we both looked back up in the door frame and there was a man standing by my open door making his way out of my bedroom. I still don't know how she managed to do it so quickly but my mother proceeded to pick me up and literally throw me out of the screen window. Again, we were on the first floor and it was maybe a three-foot drop to the ground. She quickly followed and we were able to start screaming for help and someone called 911. The police came but didn't see any signs of forced entry. Only that our front door was unlocked which led them to believe the man must have exited that way. But the strange thing was that my mom swore up and down that she had locked the door that night with the deadbolt and chain lock. About a week later she was cleaning the kitchen and opened up our water heater closet and found a notebook with names and drawings as well as a pair of gloves and some gum wrappers. The man had been in our house and hid until we were asleep. Two dot the drive by. We were camping once, driving through some city. My dad was driving, my mom on the passenger seat, and I was kneeling behind them leaning on the boot that separated the truck from the camper. It was evening, not full dark. We were really talking and my mom was looking at her window when she screams, Oh, God. Oh, my God. Jean? Do you see it? My dad says, Yeah. I do. I'm going to slow down and let them by. He slowed in the car on the right past us. I couldn't see inside, but their window was down and the arm hanging out the window looked to be that of someone impossibly thin. I asked my mom what she saw and she said it was nothing. My dad backed her up. Years later, I asked them about it again. My mom said it was a skeleton. It was no mask because you could see through the jaws. It had a tongue and eyes. It was death. My dad backed her up, but years later, after my mom was dead, recanted, saying it was a mask because nothing could survive like that. Three dot the little girl that wasn't. I lived in a house from hell for four years. From age 11 to 16, there was constantly something happening. Doors flying open and shut, voices, footsteps. Nothing ever stayed where you put it. I was alone there a lot because both my parents worked and I was constantly terrified. One of the most gut-level disturbing things though was the little girl in my bathroom. 
Every time I walked past my bathroom door, which was constantly since it was right outside my bedroom, I saw a little girl with blonde curled hair and a rose-colored dress. She just stood there, staring, looking like a photograph from 1905. I started keeping the door closed so I could walk by without seeing her, but she was always there when I opened it. Once I stepped in past her, I couldn't see her anymore, but I could feel her there. She scared me, but I felt really sorry for her because she was trapped there, just like me, but probably forever. As the years went by and things in the house continued to get worse, she started seeming darker. I started feeling like she wasn't really a little girl. I knew there was something ugly in the house and I felt like it was presenting this sympathetic image to me. Then I started thinking I was completely losing my mind. One day, when I was 14, I had a friend from out of town come stay with me for a week. I hadn't told her anything whatsoever about the house because I didn't think she would come if I did. Right after she got there we were sitting in my room and she left to go to the bathroom. About a minute later she walked back in with a puzzled look on her face and said, So, there's a little girl in your bathroom. Um, I, yeah she hangs out in there. Blonde hair? Curls? Pink dress? Yeah. You know that's not really a little girl, don't you? I almost threw up. I was so relieved and terrified and excited and ready to run out of the house screaming. She wouldn't use my bathroom the rest of the week and I started using it as little as possible without pissing off my parents who did not want to believe. Eventually we moved out and I could not have been happier. I distanced myself from it mentally as much as I could. Then, when I was 18, I took another friend on a road trip to pack up a few things I'd left in the house. My parents hadn't managed to sell it and wouldn't for five more years. The minute we got on the property, my friend seemed uncomfortable. I could tell something was wrong, but he insisted he was okay, so he got to work. After a while he asked to use the bathroom and I directed him to mine. Not 20 seconds after he left, he came running back in, gasping for breath, and slammed the bedroom door behind him. He started babbling about a little blonde girl who isn't really a little girl. All of a sudden he went dead still, looked me in the eye, and very solemnly said, she's not happy. With you. You left, and you weren't supposed to. We threw whatever we could grab in two trips in my car and got the fuck out at top speed. For Dot saved from something terrible. I lived in a small college town and my apartment complex was walking distance from the bar slash downtown area. One weekday night, I stepped out on our front porch to smoke a cigarette or two. I was up late studying. I brought my textbook with me and sat down on the stairs while I smoked. A girl, who I had never met but who lived one apartment over but down on the ground floor, came home from downtown. She was by herself and you could tell from her walk she had been drinking. She got in her apartment and barely got the door closed before some guy, who came out of nowhere, knocked on her door. She opened and I noticed he introduced himself, which was weird because it was after 2.30am, who comes to a strange girl's apartment at that time. So I decided to stay outside and pay attention. They ended up talking for over 10 minutes, 
She later acknowledged how weird the situation was but did not know how to end the conversation. He would do the creepiest things, like he reached up and strokes her hair at least three times and would try and slowly inch his way closer to her in the door. I made a point of being loud with my textbook so he would know I was there and he disappeared as early as he had come. We called the cops and days later they had the girl and me sit with a sketch artist. As soon as the sketch was made public, floods of calls came in. Guy turned out to be a serial rapist who followed lone girls home from bars and pretended to be a cab offering them a ride. This girl just got lucky because she lived so close to the bars, he didn't get a chance to pull the cab routine. Five dot potential targets. Went camping with some friends on hill a few kilometers out in the woods from one of the guy's house. There's a few hiking slash four-wheeling trails in the area that lead up to the hill so it's known by the locals. It was about midnight, we had a fire going and were just sitting around having a good time, then the guy, there was four of us, sitting opposite me yelled, who are you? I turn around and there's this man, about six foot tall staring at us from the edge of the woods with a big rock in his hand. One guy knocked an arrow in the compound bow we had, the guy across from me grabbed the hatchet and I pulled the knife off my belt. We had no clue what we were doing but the guy wouldn't say anything to us. He eventually just backed into the woods. No sleep was had that night and we kept a very large fire going. Sixth, he tried to warn them. We were partying in a usual party spot by the river and some dude came out of the woods. He just kept saying weird shit like you gotta watch yourself down here, there are some bad folks around here and when asked who he was he just said, I'm nobody. We were all a little sketched out and basically told the guy to fuck off. A couple days later a girl went off the rope swing there and got really fucked up. Someone put fishing hooks all over the bottom of the rope swing and it took chunks of flesh out of her leg. Later we found out the dude was just a guy that lived nearby and although a creepy drunk, he was harmless. There was a fucked up, probably inbred family that lived up the road that he would warn people about. About five years later, last year, they beat some kid up with a log and kidnapped some girl at gunpoint and took her on a joyride. 7. A Very Creepy Situation Last year, a guy came to my house's door around 9 o'clock at night. He knocked and I got my mom, and she went out to see what was up. By the way, we live in a very rural area, so visits that late are extremely uncommon and strange. The guy talked to my mom about how he was opening a business, asked whether she liked American-made products, then handed her a Clorox container as a sample. He went back to his minivan and opened it to give a vacuum cleaner when my mom saw five other men sitting inside. She told me to run and get my phone, since we don't have a landline. I couldn't find it, so I got my knife and stood around the corner. She threw the container outside and told them to get the hell off her property, as well as that she was calling the cops. They peeled out of the driveway and we never saw the car again. Oh yeah, a quick and lighter-hearted addition. Two months later my mom found a single, bearded guy putting filled garbage bags by the back door. She asked him what the hell he was doing he responded by saying this is for your little girl, my little sister. Again, 
She told him to get the hell out, then went through the bags. They were filled with garbage, dirty clothes, and empty tampon containers. A. The burglar almost murdered her. When I was about 10, my family of six lived in an extremely small apartment. Two bedrooms upstairs and then the living room. While I was tired of my siblings, I would sleep downstairs. One night I am lying on the couch facing the front door and watching the sky through the window by the door when a face shows up in the window illuminated by a lighter. I freeze and the face goes away. I'm pretty relieved, thinking it was maybe our druggy neighbors seeing if my parents were still awake when it shows up again. I try to scream but when I open my mouth nothing came out, not a sound. The person then kicks in the door and walks in the room, he sees me smiles and goes towards the kitchen. As he comes out of the kitchen with a knife, my dad makes it down the stairs and the guy books it out of there. I still can't sleep easily on couches to this day. Nine dot never use a Ouija board. In started when I got my Ouija board and I never read the rules. My friends were too chicken shit so I did it alone. I talked to two people that day by myself. One was a little boy named Tim who was disowned by his parents and died in the forest. The other presence was much darker and for two questions I asked, IT would reply death which was not a valid answer. I got angry with the second one and yelled at IT to prove its malicious nature to me. Nothing happened. I packed the board away, feeling as if maybe it was me the whole time which is the common notion for disbelievers. But then the next two months happened. Between 3 to 4 a.m., I consistently woke up with terror sweats and felt as if I was being watched. About 50 days in, I awoke to the most horrid screaming and a thud so loud I thought someone was breaking in. I jumped up and felt again like someone was in front of me wanting me to die, and yet no sounds from my upstairs housemates. I got so scared that I quit sleeping at night. I would stay up until 6 a.m. at least to make sure that ghost hour wouldn't affect me. But it came anyways. I'll always remember what happened at two months. I was playing COD as typical for the past two weeks and all of a sudden, I got this cold chill on my back. And it went to my left shoulder and then also onto the left side of my head. And I shit you not, I heard breathing in my ear. The pressure on my upper left side was if someone or something was leaning its head on my shoulder. I was frightened to death, but I decided fuck this. I got up, swung my fists and screamed fuck off and go away and after that night, IT seemed to stay away. I don't know how all this happened, especially when I was such a non-believer. Those months feel like a dream. But I do believe now that certain energies do manifest around us and it's best to stay away from the evil, hurtful ones. 10. Someone's watching. My brother was getting to sleep one night when he was about 13-14. The lights were off, doors closed, he was settled with his eyes closed. All of a sudden he gets the feeling that he's being watched by someone. The feeling becomes stronger and stronger so he pulls the covers over his head, curls into a ball trying not to freak out. He even starts saying the Our Father prayer when a few lines and he hears a voice right next to his ear say, That's not going to help you. 11. The trunk. 
My mom and I were visiting friends and family in Alabama. We were at her friend Amy's house, and they were telling me about all the dumb scary pranks they did in high school and different urban legends from the area. Before we left for the night, Amy told us a story my mom apparently hadn't heard since she had moved away after high school. I was sitting on the trunk of the rental car as she told the story in the driveway of her house. The story was about a specific four-way stop where a woman had been hit and killed by an 18-wheeler. It was a hit and run. They say that the ghost of this woman jumps on the steps of 18-wheelers that pass through, checking to see if it's the driver that killed her. Needless to say, we had to go through this four-way stop to get home. We got closer and closer to the stop, but couldn't really see when it was coming up on account of very little lighting on the back roads of Alabama. My mom and I were joking about how glad we were that we weren't in a big truck. Next thing I know, my mom says, um, the trunk is open. I laughed and said, shut up. That's not funny, thinking she was trying to scare me. She pointed to the illuminated light on the dashboard alerting us that the trunk was, in fact, open. We pulled up to the four-way stop. Can you hop out and close it? She asks. Hell no, I scream. You can get out and close it. We looked at each other for a moment and decided to wait until we came to a well-lit parking lot to go close it. I kept looking back to make sure it hadn't flown open. My mom drove through the four-way at an excruciatingly slow pace to make sure it stayed down. Then I get to thinking, Hey mom, wasn't I sitting on the trunk before we left? All of a sudden, the trunk slams shut and I mean slams, like full force, from fully open, slamming down. My mom and I had one of those comical movie moments where we turned to look at each other, turned back, and then screamed bloody murder. My mom then floored it and we raced to the nearest parking lot, frantically screaming nonsense trying to explain what could have happened. The trunk light was still off when we pulled up into the lot of a Hardee's. We both got out of the car and went around to the trunk. On the bottom of the trunk lid, where you touched to close it, were two money handprints. Twelve dot the click. I was getting ready for bed late one night, wearing minimal clothes because it was a hot summer night, with the windows open. I clicked off the bedside lamp and turned over to go to sleep. It was pitch black in my room because that's the only way I can sleep. Just as I closed my eyes, I heard clear as day the shutter of a camera click from over my shoulder. I whirled around and fumbled for the light, but when it turned on, there was no one in sight. I shrugged it off as my imagination, and I hesitantly turned the light back off and curled up once more. Just as I completely dismissed any fears as an overreaction, I heard a low chuckle coming from over my shoulder once more. My bedroom's on the second floor. 13. Back seat passenger. A night shift worker who heard a shattering of glass at his business, a rock someone had thrown near midnight with no other nearby businesses open that time of night he finished work and left in his car, nervous that he hadn't caught the vandal yet he realized he hadn't locked the car, so did a quick backseat hand sweep to make sure nobody was there after he arrived home. He pulled out on his bike to head to his friend's place when he heard someone cycling behind him, he stopped and saw a 
crazy smiling man ride past on his mom's bike he heads back home to find the bike gone and his backside car door wide open. 14. The Tattooed Hand A 15-year-old kid sleeping in his loft bed at a mobile home in South California, the screen from his windowsill falls off and he thinks nothing of it, but then a tattooed hand reaches through to feel around the bedroom floor this kid jumps out of bed and pulls a knife out. Screaming to get the hell out of his room, his dad shows up, but the tattooed man vanishes into the night. It was later revealed that the intruder had been living under their mobile home for quite some time, his own sleeping. Bag, water, extra clothes, and a hatchet evidently plotting his intrusion for a while. The family unaware how close they came to getting hacked up in the night. 15. Late Night Intruder A woman sleeping inside her house with her baby son, Round about 2 a.m. when she, with her back to the door, heard someone enter her bedroom the intruder shouted, Are you in here? All she could see was the intruder's reflection in the window glass, then he shouted, Fine. Whatever, and slammed the door shut, she phoned the police, and, after they turned up, they asked her the frightening question, Who's been living in your basement? They found sleeping equipment and other stuff, but they couldn't tell when or for how long the intruder had lived there. 16. Have a Merry Christmas This didn't happen too long ago so everything is still fresh in my mind. My fiancé and I were enjoying a nice relaxing evening at home. The cable had randomly gone out so it was quiet while we tried to fix it. Our living room has two large windows looking out at the street and driveway and our door also has a large oval window in it. We live on a dead-end street with few neighbors. While fixing the cable, a truck screeches into our driveway and two men immediately get out screaming. Hey, it's us. I initially groaned thinking it was my fiancé's annoying cousin and friends randomly showing up. That's until my fiancé bolts into the back bedroom. The men have then gotten onto the porch one is staring at me from the large window and banging on it. And the other is pulling at the door and looking in. They're screaming at us to let us in. It's not friendly. I'm sure they don't know us. Our house couldn't be confused for any other on the road either. My fiancé is back near the door. He tells them to leave. I see he went to retrieve the pistol. I kind of inch off the couch and go around behind to somewhat hide. I yell I'm calling the cops they back off a little toward the driveway. But as soon as I move in front of the door, they're back screaming to be let in. Trying for the door and windows. They keep shouting their names for some odd reason. But we don't know them and have never seen them. I'm calling 911 in the back but keeping an eye on them from another window. I finish up calling and move slightly into the hallway. They're backing off again, but not before telling us in a creepy slash threatening slash off voices to have a Merry Christmas. They pull out incredibly fast and are off. No attempt to stop anywhere else. 17. Not intruder that likes locking the door when entering the house. I live in one of the most popular city for students in my country. I rent an old and creaky house with four other people in a calm neighborhood with virtually no crime. As the term came to an end two weeks ago, three of my housemates already left for Christmas and were not coming back until January. This meant that one of my housemates, Anna, and I had the house to ourselves, 
which was pretty nice. We were able to work on our assignments in the main living areas and not bother too much with cleaning up after ourselves. Anna often finishes work at 3 a.m. and I never bother with bolting the door at night, so last night, just before 11 p.m., I only locked the main door, turned off the lights in the kitchen and went downstairs to my room. I live in a basement. As I didn't have the energy to do any more work, I just ended up on YouTube watching random debates. I usually use my headphones because I couldn't find them anywhere that evening and I didn't want to wake up the neighbors. Again, very old house and the walls are quite thin, I kept the volume low. I have to add that I usually hang a thick scarf or a towel on my window frame to keep the light from coming through in the morning and prevent people from the outside from looking inside my bedroom. The scarf is so good at blocking light coming in slash out it often looks like no one is home. Around midnight, I heard the front garden gate open and close. The area we live in can be windy at times so I didn't think much of it, I just continued watching the video. I then heard someone unlock the door quietly. Anna would sometimes finish early and not tell anyone about it so, again, I just assumed it was her and that she was trying not to make too much noise. I then heard Anna enter the house and lock the door, but I didn't hear her switching on any lights. Weird, I thought, as Anna disliked sitting in the kitchen in the dark and would often turn them on, head to her room upstairs to change before coming back downstairs to make a quick snack. I paused the video to listen out for anything unusual and texted Anna to ask if she came home early, and if not, then maybe her boyfriend, Sam, who has the key and sometimes comes back to ours if he's in the area to check on Anna when she works late, did. For some reason, I started panicking a little bit and messaged my boyfriend to tell him that I can hear someone trying to walk quietly upstairs and joke that I am a bit of a wuss for not having the courage to see if it was Sam. Boyfriend tried to rationalize everything and blamed it on mice. We've had issues with them before, the neighbors running up and down the stairs and me imagining it was all happening in our house, or that it really was Anna or Sam. I agreed, but kept listening out for anything weird. I heard someone sit by the kitchen table slash move the chairs and assumed it was Sam in the end. Anna replied five minutes later saying that no, she's not in the house and won't be back until 4 a.m., and that she messaged Sam and he said he wasn't even in the same city and asked if everything was okay. Now, I started panicking real time, my heart was pounding like crazy and I was suddenly aware of every single noise the person slash something upstairs made. The person slash something upstairs started moving again, but now they were in the living room, right above my room. I messaged my boyfriend and Anna that I swear someone is upstairs and if they don't hear from me in the next 5 minutes, they should call the police. Boyfriend told me to barricade my bedroom door with my bed or grab my phone and escape through my friend's, Chloe, bedroom window. She lives in the basement with me and we once left the house through her window and call the police from the street if I'm too scared to do it inside the house. I was afraid of that person slash something hearing me. I was about to leave my room when I heard the staircase leading to the basement squeak. I quickly aborted the mission of trying to escape through Chloe's window and instead barricaded the door with my bed as quietly as possible. I dimmed the lights in my room and messaged my boyfriend to call the police now. As the intruder was outside my bedroom, I could hear someone breathing and moving very slowly. 
I started looking for something to protect myself with but only found a tiny fruit knife and an empty vodka bottle. I went for the bottle and phone in my hand. I heard the person enter Chloe's room and after a few minutes or even seconds I was really not aware of the time at that point all of the noise stopped. I didn't even move an inch until I saw flashlights and heard people talk outside my window. Four policemen asked if I was okay and told me to open the main door as it was closed. I was expecting it to be open. I said I was too scared and gave them my house key instead. They searched the whole house before coming down to talk to me to inform me that they didn't find any signs of anyone breaking in. They asked me if I was 100%. I heard someone walking around our house and not the neighbors as the main door was locked and the whole thing just didn't add up. I thought I was going crazy by that point, apologized and said that I was 100% certain someone was in our house as the floor is really squeaky. I think they felt sorry for me, I was flushed and was anxious and decided to search the house one more time, this time with me. When we searched the basement bedrooms again, one of the policemen noticed that the blind in Chloe's bedroom was slightly open. He opened the whole curtain and I saw that her flower pots had been moved to the side. The policeman then pressed on the window, only to have it open easily. Chloe's window opens to the outside as in, it's possible to shut from the front garden so it appears closed to the outsiders. You also need a key to open slash close it, and that key was now in the window frame. I knew that Chloe did not leave her window open, I watered her plant a few days prior to the event and not only it was in a different place, the plant, that is, but the key to the window frame was lying on the side. I explained that to the policemen and I think they believed me, but as nothing was stolen or damaged, they couldn't do anything about it. They told me they'll watch the house overnight and I should give them a call if I hear anything suspicious. They also advised me to bolt the door and close all the windows. Anna arrived 20 minutes later to make sure I was okay. The policeman knocked on the door five minutes after her arrival to see if she really was my housemate. We thanked them and then stayed in the kitchen. Anna and I couldn't sleep until 5am even though we both went to bed with frying pans and empty bottles of vodka. We tried to come up with a reasonable explanation although it is very easy to exit the house through Chloe's window. Why would someone lock the door when breaking inside the house? That and not knowing the intruder's intentions creeped me out the most. My boyfriend is coming back to the city tomorrow to make sure I'm not home alone until Christmas. Anna's boyfriend is staying in the house tonight as she's working late again so I feel much better and much less shaky tonight. 18 at the time we had to use our code word. It was 2012 and my best friend Hannah had convinced me to join her on a weekend trip up north. She had, after searching for the longest time, found her dream car and was planning on traveling the 900 kilometers to the very north of Sweden to buy it. It was a second-hand two-door Suzuki Vitara in a purplish kind of color and I must admit I didn't share her obsession with it. But, with her being the closest thing to a sister that I will ever get, I was happy to join her nonetheless. Hannah and I have always had each other, from the cradle and onwards. Sharing each other's love for adventure, we have traveled the world together. 
At the time this happened, we were both 21 and had recently returned from a trip in Asia. The man who was selling her the car had agreed to meet us at the small airport in Umea. When we arrived shortly before lunchtime, it had started to snow heavily. The first snow of the season, no less. The parking lot was almost empty and when I saw the man standing outside the Vitara, I felt immediately concerned. He was dressed like a hunter. A lot of people in this area of the country live a lifestyle with hunting and fishing, so nothing strange with that really. But still, there was something about him that made me uneasy. He was nice though, smiling and waving to us, shaking hands with us both before walking us around the car and pointing out all the tiny little flaws. He showed us the work he had done on the car and showed the paperwork from the recently done engine repairs. He made the impression that he didn't want to hide anything, on the contrary he made a show out of being very forthcoming and honest. The snowing had now intensified and we were getting cold. He opened the car door for us and said, I got the paperwork at home, let's close the deal over some coffee. Against all my instincts I climbed in after Hannah, both of us now trapped in the back seat. I had no reason to feel threatened by this man who had been nothing but pleasant to us other than the alarm bells going off inside my head. I can't tell what it was that made me feel that way, but there must have been some sign that something was wrong, something that my subconscious tuned into. The man was constantly talking, funny, since people from the north of Scandinavia are famous for never speaking a word more than absolutely necessary. He showed the stereo, told us about the features of the car, about the places we drove past, about the wildlife and the nature. There was not a silent moment. After about 20 minutes I started to notice that we were in no way moving in the direction of civilization, instead it seemed we were driving further and further into the vast wilderness. It struck me that he had us in the back of a two-door car, diving us into unknown territory and no one knew where we were. I looked at Hannah who was happily listening to the man telling stories about the area, and I noticed she didn't look at all worried. Maybe I was totally overreacting. We drove past a group of people standing by the side of the road hunters planning their day or taking a break maybe. This truly is a very different Sweden compared to the city. The car finally stopped outside a small wooden cottage with no neighboring houses apart from a small cabin that we drove past a few hundred meters down the road but it had looked empty. We followed the man inside. He was still talking non-stop and continued to do so until the moment the door closed behind us. Hannah kept asking things about the car and I could sense that her voice had a new undertone now, a thin, sharp tenseness that made me wonder if she too had started to feel that something wasn't right. I'll put the kettle on, he said, and as he passed us to go into the kitchen he let his hand touch Hannah's hair and he smiled smugly. May I use the bathroom? I asked politely and made my way to the door with the little red heart on. I was washing my hands while I saw something in the stained bathroom mirror, something was hidden behind the water cistern. I pulled out a rolled up plastic folder and as I turned the pages I felt my blood run cold. It was very violent porn pictures that looked like they had been cut out from magazines and they were glued to the paper, surrounded by cut out pieces of handwritten text, 
Put together, it made a horrifying story about how a woman was lured into a car with the promise of getting to buy the car cheaply, and then it quickly turned into a horror story. I know this will sound silly, but when we traveled together, Hannah and I had a code word for whenever we felt it was time to get out of a situation. We had never needed to use it, just joked about it, but now it came in handy. I walked out of the bathroom and looked at Hannah and said, Potatoes. We forgot to buy potatoes. And that's too bad, because good God do we need some. The look on my face must have told her that the situation was no joke and she said, Oh, should we get some as soon as possible? The sooner the better, I replied. Hannah, always pretty and charming and capable of great acting, casually walked over to the man in the kitchen, tapped his shoulder and said, Excuse me, but I was wondering if I can go have a quick look at the cam belt. He huffed something about it being in good shape and handed over the keys. We got into the car and speeded off faster than the weather strictly speaking allowed. We left the car at the airport and hoped we hadn't made a terrible mistake. What if he reported it stolen? It would be embarrassing to explain to the police. But nothing happened. He didn't follow us, Dined reported in. We had to take the train since we had no plane tickets. The original plan had been to take the car home. And we didn't want to linger close to the airport in case he came looking for us. Later Hannah asked what made me use the code word and I told her about what I had found. It might just have been a fantasy, a sick game, and maybe he would never have done anything to us. But right then and there I was convinced we would die if we didn't get out. Thank God Hannah didn't need any convincing or proof, just the code word. I truly think that if we hadn't talked about it so many times before, about how we would handle a situation where we need to get out fast, things would have ended differently. Both of us knew that if either ever used the code word, it's time to get out, no questions asked. Just move.